Before we get started with this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me let you know that it's brought to you by Draft, Draft.com. Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Playing a real-life NBA, NFL, or for this podcast purpose, PGA Draft right now. Be done drafting in under five minutes and get paid out the day the tournament is done. The PGA version is great. You draft, you enjoy the four days, and you collect your money Sunday night. Drafts are filling every second so you can join them whenever you want. All new players, this is the catch. All new players, when they make their first deposit, get entry into a real money draft by using the promo code SD Sports. You gotta use the promo code SD Sports to get that free entry. That's right, playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. For some crazy reason you do not like draft, they are offering a hundred dollar money back guarantee. Just search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play for free right now. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now, welcome to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Lay. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. Make sure to check out the podcast on Twitter at Always Press DFS. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spreaker. Go rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, let's introduce the co hosts as always, before we break down your DraftKings slate. You can find him on Twitter at bpsnow 11 Bucks, how we doing? Doing great, Bubba. Glad to be back another week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as always, Jesse. Find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, what's up, man? Doing well, Bubba, man. Good to be here again. How are you? I am doing well. Doing well. Um, I won't go into what I'm, you know, how things are out here in California, but it's going well. <laughs> warm. Um, warm. It's warm. It's warm. It's like shorts and sandals weather, so it's a great time. Me and Buck's yeah, got winter clothes on. You're just sweating because you got your AC on. Yeah, I got my ceiling fan on above me right now. It's 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 rough out here, but it makes for a great Pebble Week, which we'll get into very shortly. Because usually it rains every time in Pebble, at least one or two days. So there's no rain in sight. But let's talk about last week's Waste Management Open. It was awesomely entertaining as always. Sixteen was great. Um, Lots of great things. You got Kucher saying dickhead on camera, which was absolutely amazing. Like, if you didn't already love the guy, like, if you've heard stories about him, he let it loose. That was outstanding. Um, another playoff again, like every week now. So, congrats to Gary Willen, Chesticle. Well done. Proud of you, my man. But, uh, Bucks, any takeaways from the uh, Waste Management Open? Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them, but. It was just a really fun event to watch, man. I mean, I, not just to watch, but from a sweat perspective, it was incredible because <laughs> you had so many people on tilt the first couple of days because of some of the withdrawals, especially Hideki. And then uh, with Spieth missing the cut, you had like, I don't know, 50% of the field gone after that. And so 
it was just a, a really fun event to watch. I mean, as long as the players got through like 11, 12, and 14, like they could make birdie on any single hole out there. And uh, you, you saw a lot of people light it up. And then if you missed, you got penalized. And so it was just really fun and good for Woodland, man. He played his rear end off and it was awesome. So good for Definitely. him. What were your thoughts on the weekend, Jesse? Yeah, I pretty much second everything that uh, Buck said. There's a very fun tournament to watch. Lots of birdies, lots of great golf shots. Um, 16 is always a great time. And it wasn't overly insane this year um, as it is in, in some years past. And one thing, too, is Kucher, man. He played really well. He about holed out there, and I was yeah. really, really rooting for that because that would have been a lot of fun to watch. Um but overall, just yeah, just a great golf tournament. Uh, another playoff, four straight playoffs. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, man. Crazy. Crazy. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, you got, you got Cooch almost holding it out there. He had the par four seventeen where we saw a couple of guys almost hole out, which was crazy. Uh, it was it was great golf. Great. I love that finishing setup. A sixteen, the drivable par four. If you want to test it, otherwise it goes in. It runs into the water, or you have an ugly pitch shot up. It, it was really really good golf. Um, I was intrigued, or not maybe intrigued is the right word, but kind of baffled by a lot of the Twitter reaction about the leaderboard. I saw a lot of guys being like, well, this sucks because, you know, the big names, not enough of the big names aren't there. There's like these guys that shouldn't be. I love the fact that you see Ches Reeve and Gary Woodland and all these guys, all these up there. There's all these guys up there, and it's not all the big boys. Bucks, we'll start with you. Thought, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was great. I, I mean – I personally thought it was a stacked leaderboard. Yeah, so I mean, did I. You, you had Thomas, Ricky, even Bubba, Rom, Woodland, Reeve. I mean, Reeve is not a guy that goes unnoticed anymore for the most part. Chesson Hadley's been playing out of his mind lately. I mean, Phil Mickelson was giving it a run. I mean, all of those guys are big-name players. I thought it was a stacked leaderboard, and, like, as a guy who I played one lineup last week and I tried to fade a lot of the chalk, I wasn't excited <laughs> to see a yeah. lot of the big chalk up there. So I, that's I, mean, where, I thought it was awesome. That's where I was confused. Like literally, I'm seeing guys tweet out that this leaderboard sucks, and I'm trying to wrap my head around why. <laughs> just just because yeah. like Ricky Fowler's not running away with it, or so I couldn't wrap my head around it. Uh, Jesse, what were your thoughts on the on the final? You know, like top ten. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see any of that, but um, yeah, Mickelson, uh, Bryson, DeChambeau, he's one of the you know bigger names in our at least our little Twitter circle. Uh, Cooch obviously is a a very big name. Um, Ricky and Rom just just didn't have it on Sunday for whatever reason. JT had it, uh, but whatever happened to him on that back nine on Saturday is uh, beyond me because he just completely lost it. Um, six straight birdies to open up on Saturday, and then backed up to a 71, which is even par somehow. It was amazing to watch both ways. Um, but I mean, even Berger was up there. Yeah, I mean, the leaderboard to me was was completely fine. Um, Spieth was the only really kind of, quote-unquote, big name, if you want yeah. to throw a female in there. Webb missed the cut. But other than that, I mean, everybody made it, and they were in contention. It was one of the yeah. funnest tournaments I've watched in a while. Oh, it was yeah. great. Everywhere you turned, it was like, okay, here's a birdie. Now he's within a shot. There's this, here's that. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, 
we already talked. You already mentioned the Hideki withdrawal. Nothing we can do about that. That happens, unfortunately. It's a shame because he was. He looked actually he was playing decent on on Thursday, so he's out. But the question I have is Ricky Fowler. Like we know he's he's won a few times, but we've seen this Sunday kind of disappearing act too often, in my opinion, when he's near the top or at the top. Bucks, do you think what's it going to take for him to get over this? I know it took DJ a while too in the big tournaments. What's what's with Ricky? Yeah, I mean that's a really tough question, and as as much as I hate to agree with this individual, um, I was watching the pregame on Sunday, and Brandel Chambly mentioned the differences between playing with the lead versus playing from just behind the lead, mm-hmm. um, and he was talking about the uh, pressure of holding it together versus trying to attack, and I completely agree with him, and I think Ricky plays better from behind like being the underdog he thrives in that situation where he has to go low um i I think when he finds himself in the position where he just has to hold it together that's when he struggles um but i mean i don't know what he's gonna have to do other than just like smoke the field thursday friday saturday and like I said, hold on for a win. Um, because I can see him coming from behind and catching somebody, catching fire, but you're right. I don't I don't see it happening where he has the lead going into Sunday and something good happens. He doesn't have that killer instinct like we see from these other guys, which it just it sucks. Like it. No, it sucks because Ricky's we love Ricky and like Saturday when he's pumping the crowds up and you know tell, yeah. doing all that it was, it was awesome. But then Sunday comes around, I don't know. Jesse, what are your thoughts on Ricky? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, golf is the ultimate mind fuck, right? So yeah. it's it's really difficult to play different than what you're used to. And Ricky's used to bombing it and going after par fives and, you know, playing the more risky shot and, you know, trying to uh, ram putts in and, and that kind of thing. And I think that he kind of gets in the mindset of, just play it safe and make it make more pars. Um, so it, I think it, I think he'll eventually get to where he can close out a tournament. It's just a matter of probably working with his caddy and his coaches and, and getting in a different mindset. Um, you know, he's obviously a world-class player, so that's not the problem. Um, but it's just such a mental game, man. It's, it's impossible to, it's impossible to say for sure, but I think he'll get there eventually. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think he will too. It's, it's just frustrating. Same things happen with okay. Rom. You mentioned Rom, and I've been thinking he's been getting better and better with his attitude. But my, how many times did he slam a club or th- like want to throw something this week? My he goodness, donkey. he was a donkey on on Sunday. He was a donkey. Wow! Like I can only imagine how Phil felt when they were in their groups together, going, "Kid, we play together a lot. We know each other. Calm down." Yeah, yeah. It was embarrassing. Some of that stuff he did. I mean, you know, he played that big old flop shot. I think it was on. 13 or 15, one of the two, and, which was which is a, an extremely difficult shot. I mean, he had to land it perfectly and let it roll out perfectly, and he caught just a little bit too much of the ball. But, I mean, he just – I don't know. Just a, He slams his club right immediately. Like it wasn't a few seconds after it was just as soon as he hit it. It was just kind of embarrassing. And I heard on the – I think it was on the telecast that he had mentioned that he thought that the pressure of trying to get or potentially getting to world number one got to him last weekend. And, you know, it could have been another factor this week too. 
Oh, of course. He, he he's the he's the guy that doesn't want to think about anything. He just wants to go out there and make birdies. And so the fact that he was thinking about anything is right. not good. Right. Yeah, it's not good at all. The 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 issue between the ears is 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 hurting him big time right now. Um, before we get into the Pebble Beach Pro Am, Jesse, why don't you tell us a little uh, fan share ownership recap? Yeah, so three of the uh, top ten most tag golfers missed the cut. Uh, one up from last week's two out of the top ten. Uh, so this week, Spieth, Webb, and then the Hideki withdrawal. Uh, Gary Woodland, obviously your winner. He was far and away. He scored the most points by far, um, 138 points. And the next closest was Chez at 125. But his ownership was 10%. Chez's was 4%. And Chez kind of surprises me and let you guys maybe talk a little bit about Chez because in the past we've seen him be pretty popular. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that it was because of his course history just was, was just that trash. But, I mean, 4% – um, on Chez at that price at you know seventy four hundred, I played him a lot on FanDuel and made quite a bit of money because you know something that was mentioned on on FanShare on their blog was the guy who writes the blog Logan mentioned him as a as a good pivot and a, and a potential guy who could be low owned. Um, I didn't know he was a local guy either, but I mean, what what are you guys' thoughts on why Chez was so low? Chez was so low owned. I mean, I, I personally think it was because of the pricing. Um, there were a bunch of guys that I loved around 76, 7,700, and a bunch of guys I really liked at 69 to 72. And mm-hmm. so I really liked Chez, but it just worked out where I wanted one of those other guys right on the other side of them. Um, and so you had ZJ, you had Kazir. You had Chapel all at 7,700. And then right below, you had uh, Free Spot Hadley, you had Streelman, you had Hoffman, all just under him. So it was just a tough spot for me to get to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's like Chez, we always know, is a great cut maker cash guy. This performance, a little bit out of the ordinary for Chez, but we still loved it. But uh, yeah, I'm always a fan of Chez, but he was surrounded by some awesome (laughs) options. So the next uh, the the third highest points last week was was Ollie uh, Schneider Jams with his late Sunday run there he scored 119 and then at four percent and then Brendan Steele was kind of chalky um, at 21 uh, percent he scored 111 points so the couple of trends that I've been noticing and actually Fancher and I've tweeted out a little bit about is defending champion um, usually gets less ownership. Uh, the highest price usually gets less ownership, and I'm going to talk more about that this week because I think it's I think it's vitally important. But Hideki was both, and he was significantly less owned than what people had thought. Um, yeah. Of course, when I say significantly less owned, he was 18 percent basically, and like the three dollar, 15 percent, and the 33 dollar. But either way, um, he was only one, two, three, four, five, set the seventh, you know, highest highest owned. So I think that is a definite trend that people are fading the sure, highest yeah. price guy and the defending champion as well. Yep. Well, and then that that brings us to a, a, a quick look at how this fared at Pebble last year. Jordan Spieth is your defending champion. He had 125 points. He was sixth tag. And coming off last week's performance, you'll have to wonder if we see that trend continue, like you mentioned, Jesse. But you know, Kelly Craft was uh, 
89th tagged guy, and he shot 107. And he had Day and DJ, Snedeker, Rom. Those are all top 15 tags. So you look – the favorites do pretty well here for the most part. But at the same time, like Nick Taylor, Streelman, Mackenzie Hughes were 8, 9, and 10 in uh, overall DraftKings points. And that was – they were in the the high 80s when it comes to tags. So you can get some runs here. It helps the three-day tournament. One last thing is a recent form. If you're looking at the last three events coming up here, Woodland, DJ, Rom, Reevee, Kucher, Day, Cook, Charlie Hoffman, your boy Hadley and Patrick Cantley, all in this field, all uh, playing really, really good golf. I think they're, you know, 110 points on average for Gary, DJ 106, all the way down to 85 for Cantley. So some stuff to look at when we build our lineups here. One other thing I did want to mention about Hadley, you know, you identified it last week, Bucks, as a, a missed price, free square, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't on him as much, um, but it obviously paid off $6,900, 107 points, paid well off, 12% owned. So what DraftKings I've noticed is doing, and you know, and you both have noticed this as well, is they're basically creating value um, with certain names that they want to every week. And it's it has nothing to do with anything in some cases. In some cases it might be because the course history is just not as good or I don't really know, but one way or the other, I don't think many people have caught on to that because I expected Hadley to be much higher on than, you know, basically 12%. So I think that's another important ownership trend because we'll talk about a lot of these value guys this week and, you know, you, you might think, well, it's value guys, so we might be high on, but it's not happening. It's just not happening. The numbers aren't coming in. So I mean, Yeah, but the further you get down under – and I don't know what the exact trend is, but I would say the further you get down under 77, 7,500 bucks, you're not going to see, unless it's like just egregious and a top name, you're not going to see somebody typically over 20% that's in the 6K range. Um, True. Because a lot, of, a lot of guys like to keep it cash friendly um, and won't go down that low no matter what. Well, I, mean, I, think I think the I think the average I think the average Joe sees six thousand dollar guys and they they get scared. They don't yeah. they don't they're not they're not confident in those picks at all. Well, I just think that you know in GPPs it's definitely something to to consider. You know, is that that these guys aren't being as hot. Like I just I just think like in my mind because I think everybody thinks like I do. I'm self centered, but that that Chesson would be you know twenty percent owned, and I'm willing to fade him at twenty percent, whereas half that. Um, you know, that's that's a really good play. You know, obviously, yeah. for sure. All right, let's get into the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am preview. We'll do our usual here. Jesse, kick us off with some past event history. Yep. So, ATT Pebble Beach Pro Am um, been the name for a while. Uh, last year, Jordan Spieth won nineteen under, uh, four strokes better than Kelly Craft. Year before that. Vaughn Taylor fired 65 on Sunday to come from behind and beat Phil by one shot, 17 under. 2015 was Brant Snedeker, 2014 Jimmy Walker, 2013 Brant Snedeker. Um, and then Phil did win in 2012 as well. Dustin Johnson's won here a couple times. A lot of big names. Yeah, DJ does great here. Um, Bucks, give us a – we've got three courses this week. Give us some previews. Yeah, so this is um... – I mean, another event with three courses. Uh, everybody's playing each of the three courses. First three days, 54-hole cut. Um, <clears throat> what's crazy about this, and you guys just heard Jesse talk about the average winning score and that kind of thing, 
every single one of these courses is hovering just under 7,000 yards, which for a tour course is insanely short. And so you got a, a bunch of courses that are incredibly short, but the scoring isn't at like, they're not going real, real low here. Um, it can happen, but you have some actual tests of golf. Um, I, I think a big piece before jumping into the actual courses for the most part, um, the fairways are generous, um, and the Tor Pro hits these on average more than most courses. So you're going to see a lot of fairways hit, which is great. But the greens here are so small; um, they're about mm-hmm. half the size of a normal Tor course. So I think there's something like uh, 3,500 square feet, which is just stupid small it's like playing if anybody listening to this has a muni course in their area that was built in like the 30s or 20s they're probably really small greens and that's probably what it's like playing on these Uh, but you do have three courses the first i'll mention is my personal favorite of all three um, and that's monterey peninsula Um, and the reason why it's my favorite it was designed uh, by my favorite architect redesigned by Mike Stranson 03. Um, and if anybody knows Mike Stranson, if anybody has played golf in the Carolinas, you've probably heard of Tobacco Road or Tothill Farm. Uh, Mike Stranson is really known for um, some jagged outcroppings in the bunkers and tons of bouldering around the courses um, and really playing with your uh, mind from a visual perspective off the tees, that kind of thing. And you get all of that at Monterey. Um, and so again, if you know the spots to hit it in, the fairways are generous. Um, but you have very small greens, undulating greens. If you're not on your A game, it can tear you up. I mean, this is probably the lowest, uh, scoring course, uh, of the week. And so people are going to take advantage of it. But again, you have to keep it in play. You have to have your A game, um, 6,900 yards, par 71. Next is Spyglass. Spyglass is 6,900 yards, par 72. Um, It was a Robert Trent Jones senior design, and so he's pretty similar. So he really makes it visually intimidating off the tee. Um, It'll be their toughest test of the week. In the 2000, or no, 1999 USAM, not a single person shot under 70 the entire week, which is just insane. And so when they get this course playing hard and Bubba knows all about this weather out here. Um, if the weather changes for some reason, it can be really, really nasty, but again, decently generous fairways, really small greens, incredibly undulating greens. And so you're trying to find that guy that's really on with his wedge game. Um, and then last but not least, uh, you get to Pebble beach and that's probably top, Three most iconic courses in the entire U.S. It's the number one public course in the U.S. Um, Wide fairways, thick, rough, undulating greens that are really, really small. Um, Not as visually intimidating off the tee. Players can eat this course up. Um, But you do have, much like all of the courses, you have a bunch of holes right on the ocean. So um, as long as you keep it in play, you can tear Pebble Beach up. You can tear Monterey up. Spyglass, you have to be on your A game to really go low there, but 
you'll see guys do it. There's going to be guys. I think Spyglass is a really great separator. So if you got yep. a guy that plays his A game, he's going to score. But if you're even mildly off at Spyglass, you got some real, real problems. So I always – they don't show that course. Um, but seeing some of the highlights that they will show, it's a beautiful course. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll hop right into weather. It's 75 degrees and sunny every day right now. And so winds are winds right now are supposed to be pretty light, which is crazy for that area. Um, but, Bubba, you were telling us before – uh, the podcast that it's been unseasonably warm out there. Yeah, it's, it's crazy hot. Like, well, to them, the mid seventies is crazy hot right now, so they're putting air conditioners in. But um, like you mentioned, the wind, the winds usually pipe up, and you said there's really nothing in the forecast. Maybe the weekend they could see a shift coming in off the ocean, so that can make things interesting. But yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. And, and you mentioned in your course previews, yeah, Monterey and. Pebble. Pebble's the one that people don't understand. They think Pebble's just an amazing course, which is amazing visually, but it's the easiest out of the three for them to tear up. Um, Monterey, like you said, there's a lot of trees that'll get you in your way. And Spyglass is just a... The way I've heard people, because I know guys have actually played in this tournament, they say Spyglass is the physical test of your day. It just... If you can get through Spyglass, like, reasonably well, you're going to be okay. So... Everything Buck said, 100% as usual, and um, it's a good time. If you guys happen to be out there on Sunday, I might be there, so throw it out there. We'll talk, we'll talk <laughs> that up. But, um, Jesse, what are the, some of the key stats you're looking at? Uh, this is this is so difficult this week because you've got three different golf courses, but going with my usuals, obviously the scores here are, de- are decently low, so high to mid-teens typically for the winning scores, so we do need some birdie or better. Um, greens and regulation, always important. Sticking with the driving distance, um, accuracy, not so much because, like Bucks was talking about, A, the fairways are wide, but also they hit a lot of non drivers off these tees because the, the golf courses are so, so short. Um, and then scrambling, I think, is a key stat as well. Uh, it's just, man, I'll talk about maybe a little bit more about it later, but I hate this tournament. <laughs> Um, Bucks, what are you targeting here? Yeah, a lot of what Jesse's targeting. I mean, um, with any event, I'm going to be playing DK points per your better bogey avoidance, and then I'll look at recency. Um, but with this course, and because, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, because they're playing three separate courses, it's not like you have one game that suits the course um, for the rest of the week it's really about the overall game in general. And so um, my core focus though, because of the greens being so small um, and so penal, so shot, shots gained or strokes gained T to green. And then really my focus is on um, GIRs gained. So greens and regulation uh, proximity from a hundred hundred to 125 proximity, 125 to 150. Um, and I'm hoping to find those, elite ball strikers at that range because they'll be there a lot of the week. Um, and then scrambling, like Jesse mentioned. So even if one of those elite ball strikers has an off day, as long as they can get up and down at a 70% clip, which is better than tour average, then we're good. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like the, the tee to green, the scrambling is going to be huge, like you both mentioned. 
Uh, putting will be something to look at because those greens are tricky, tricky. They keep redoing greens at Pebble each year. So there's a couple, I think there's two new ones this year. We'll see how those play out uh, to make things a little more interesting there. But for this tournament, especially, not all my guys I like, but a lot of the ones I like, I'm going to look at past event history here because the fact that they've seen these three courses, they played these three courses, they've seen all the different weather, weather patterns, even though it's supposed to be perfect. If something wind comes up or something, they know how to play this course, which that's where it gets tricky is with when it is windy. Um, other than that, it is, you know, it's a, the three-day event like we talk about, so I want scoring, 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 and sneak through the cut if you have to, but just give me po- DK points like you're saying, Bucks. That's a, a big one on an event. Like, it's basically a no-cut event the way I look at it because yeah. you're going to see a lot get through. One, um, thing, and one, one thing I didn't yeah. mention from my key stats is strokes gang playing with amateurs. That's key that's just, that's I, Well, I was just about to mention is you guys got to remember – it's on three courses, and these rounds are going to be about an hour and a half to two hours longer for these guys playing with amateurs. The long, long days for these boys out there. So yep. keep that in mind. And they also have parties every night that all the amateurs and pros go to. So if you know you got a guy with an early tea time like on Friday, just keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> Clint, Clint Eastwood has a big bash throughout the week, just throwing it out there. There's a lot of festivities on this. Guys come here to bring their wives to these events. Um and we, we'll get into the DraftKings now. There's five guys in the 10K and above, which is awesome. This tournament's been picking up bigger names the last few years. And I think this year's another re- a big, big group. And next year, I think it'll be tremendous because the U.S. opens here next year. So I think some of these guys, like we're going to get to Rory McIlroy's it's first time here, I think has a lot to do with it. He wants to start seeing this this course. Yeah. Uh, but in the 10K and above, you got DJ, 11-7, Rom 11-4, McElroy 11-1, Jason Day 10-9, and the defending champion Jordan Spieth at 10-7. Bucks kick us off in the five digits. So, I mean, my mind versus my gut are telling me a couple different things, but the one guy that I think I'm going to gravitate to for a couple reasons is Jordan Spieth. Um, And it kind of pains me to do this because there's such a focus on wedge game here. And he was so bad last week from like 125 and in. I mean, he was atrociously bad. Um, But with that being said, typically he's good. Like he's really good um, from that range. And like Jesse mentioned, he's a past winner. He missed a cut last week, so I'm hoping between that and the guys around him that his ownership is suppressed. And I'm going to play probably two or three lineups. I'll have one or two speed, just hoping he's sub 20%, and I'm hoping he clicks after a really bad week. Yep, I feel you. Jesse, who are you looking at up here? Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot – to not like about all those yeah. guys. So, like, if you're playing 150 lineups, I would get a piece of each one of them. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'll probably do the, you know, the 20 max, $4, um, take my shots there. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do there. But at this point, top of my model, um, highest price, Dustin Johnson. Now, I thought he was going to be super chalky his last time out, which I think was the Tournament of Champions, correct? If I'm not mistaken on that. Yeah. And he, he was only like 20 – actually, so he went to – he played in Europe too. But on the PGA Tour Tournament of Champions, 
he was 27%-ish owned, which isn't terrible, especially in a 35-man no-cut field. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if I can get him below that this week, I would be really happy. But there's not like – you can't really find much flaws in any of these guys. Obviously, five of the best golfers in the world. I like your angle on Jordan. I was going to mention that, the miscut. But I think he'll be popular again because I see him being highly touted this week. Yeah, that's what worries me because I had the same idea on Spieth as well. So if we're three for three on that, God forbid, knows what everybody else is going to say on this one. Uh, because that was the first thing when I looked at the price. I'm like, wow, he's the, the cheapest out of the five, coming off the missed cup. He's defending champion, five of five cuts, three in the top ten. Plays really well here. The scary part is we talked about how much putting is important, and he putted horribly last week. I don't remember seeing him that bad in a long time. Um, so that's something to think about. I, I do like DJ if you're going to spend up. The only other guy that wasn't mentioned here that I I don't want any McElroy, but I really, really – we talked about it last time. We were scared off by the back. I love how Jason Day is playing golf right now. I really do. At 10-9, at 10-9 he would be the guy. If I pivot off of Spieth, I'll probably go to Day. Um, I don't see myself paying up for Johnson. If I can afford it, I will afford it and feel comfortable about it. I will. But to pivot off of Spieth, I'll, I'll go Jason Day. I think there's a lot to like about him. Another guy that's contended, you know, Top 11 or better in four out of his last five tournaments where he's made the cut all eight times he's been here. Really good stuff out of uh, it. His wedge game is so good right now, too. Yeah. The way he, yeah. yeah the way he looked in that tournament was the, the, like what you said, like 125 in or so, 130 in. He was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so who do you guys think of these top five will be the lowest owned? Just sitting here right now, just every, everything. I bet it's Rory. Rory has been low owned a lot. Yeah, already. That's what I would say too. I think Royal will be higher owned the more dollar amounts you get. But if you're like playing three five dollar tournaments or whatever, I think you can get him at extremely low ownership. I'm gonna say Rom. He finished last year. I mean, it's coming off. You know, he's playing really good golf. It's crazy, man. This is loaded up top. This is crazy. It's fun. It's good. Yeah, it's a good looking field, but. Five guys up in the 10K and above. Let's go to the four guys in the 9K range. Uh-oh. You got, Uh-oh. You got, yeah, exactly. Four whole guys. You got Woodland, <laughs> one last week. You got Mickelson, who is phenomenal at Pebble. We got one, Mr. I don't know if we've known this guy before. Paul Casey is making his trip back to the mainland. Old and the old Paul Casey. Old yes, Casey. old original, the OG. <laughs> and, then we, and then we got Brendan Grace at 9,100. Jesse, the floor is all yours. Man, it's another good region as well. So I like all these guys except for Brandon Grace. I got really nothing for Brandon Grace. One guy I'm going to mention is Phil Mickelson. Um, he made four bogeys last week, and one of those was the double on the last hole. Um, he played like at least you know close to 40-some holes straight without a bogey, which is insane for Phil Mickelson if you're watching play yeah. golf. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was putting his, you know, he was putting lights out. It was it was fun to watch. I actually ended up rostering him a little bit, especially on the weekend golf, and that was um, fun to watch him play because he was he was on point. His driver is still at all over the place, but um, I do think Phil is a decent GPP option this week if he can keep that putter going. Yes. What about you? What about you, Bucks? Yeah, everything you just said. So Phil Mickelson on a course where he doesn't have to hit driver that right. is generous in the fairways and requires you to be solid with your wedge game. 
Give me him all day long. Um, <laughs> he was on point last week. What was that? He was on point last week with his wedges. Oh God, yeah. yeah, he was awesome. So I really like Phil here. I hate going back to the previous week's winner, so I'll probably be fading Woodland because of yeah. his win. Um, but Phil Mickelson and Casey are the two guys I really like here. I mean, Casey at 9400 bucks is – I mean, insanely cheap. So I'm going to have a couple. I'll probably have, like I said, three lineups. One's going to start at Phil and have Phil and Casey and work my way down. I don't hate that at all. Um, I agree with everything you guys said. You know, Woodland's playing well, but defending champion Casey, Casey, we know, we know we like there, (laughs) but I'm, I really, and people, if you've the ones that have listened to this enough know my my hatred for Phil Nicholson on the draft games. I love him. (laughs) I loved him this week. Watching him play last week was actually fun to watch on TV. Phil yeah. sometimes is not fun at all to watch. He yeah. was fun to watch. Uh, we've already said it many times, putting, scrambling. He, what he did last week, he was he putted one time off the fringe, like 40 yards off the fringe, and the, the, the broadcast was running what he was doing, and he was like two feet from the pin when it got all sudden done. Uh, <laughs> he had it so locked in, and we've seen him at Pebble. Now, given the Von Taylor year, he was – chipping great and he had an easy chip up and he left it like 15 feet short as a cost in that tournament but all in all he loves playing Pell. he's he's won four times here he's made 18 of 21 cuts here at 9600 bucks it, it's a great starting point like you said bucks if you don't want to go in the five digit range and if i i can sleep okay at night if i roster phil and he doesn't make the cut just put it that way like i like him that much this week which is terrifying yeah <laughs> We take this brief break in the always pressing PGA DFS podcast to talk to you about RotoWare, one of the greatest shirts in fantasy sports. They have DFS shirts, fantasy season long, all kinds of great shirts. They're the best quality shirts in the industry. No other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality, premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts, specialized printing process, designed as part of the shirt, literally dyed bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. It's ridiculous the amount of options you can find, over 30 different designs. Fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, DFS, they keep coming out with more and more and more stuff. Men's, women's, kids, you name it, they've got it. There's lots of buzz kicking up in the fantasy industry about it. People are wearing these shirts. They're representing the shirts. They are great quality shirts. And you can have one too. You can have more than one, as many as you want. Just use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, DGENS, for 20% off your order. Go to rotoware.com. Or go to at RotoWare on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out what they have. They're giving away free shirts all the time on Twitter. But when you go to purchase, use the code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to the always pressing PGA TFS podcast. All right. Let's drop into the 8K range. Got about 10 golfers to pick from. I'll kick us off briefly. Like Patrick Cantley, I already mentioned he's 10th in um, recent form in the last three weeks. Two of two cuts here in his two tournaments he's played. Playing great golf at 8,900. Got our boy Cooch. He's, he's moving up on the chesticle list with me. He's, he's up there. Loving me some Cooch at 88. He does have some mixed results here, though, so if you want to be careful, but his recent form is tremendous. But the guy I like the most in this range, and I think a lot of us will talk about it, you said it with Phil, and I know I told the story last year when I was at this tournament with Phil, Pat Reed, and, and um, Pat Perez in the same group. They were on 16, which is a dogleg over a bunker. They drove – Pat brings out his three wood and he birdies the hole. Pat, this this course is made for him. At least the pebble <laughs> portion of it is. I love Pat at eighty six hundred bucks. Love him a lot. 
Um, the only other one, there's a couple other guys, but the only one I'm really focusing on here will be in my core is Brant Snedeker at 8,100 bucks. Um, his last two tournaments played really well. We already mentioned he's a two-time winner. Two times in the last five years he's won this event. So at 8,100 bucks, I do like that a ton. So I'll be focusing on those three. I don't mind a couple other guys, hostlers there and whatnot, but I'll let you guys break down some others. But those are the three I'm targeting. Uh, bucks, what do you like? Yeah, there's just a – I mean, you can make a case for most of these guys – um, but the three guys I'm going to target, uh, you mentioned Patrick Cantlay, uh, the dude just makes a ton of birdies. He's strong all around, but he has a lot of firepower and we're talking about a 54 hole cut. So, um, as long as he, I mean, even if he's close to somewhere around the cut line, he's going to have points associated. So uh, I'm going to play Cantlay. Um, and then, yeah, I love Pat Perez this week, and I love Chesson Hadley again. I mean, he was whatever it was, 6900 bucks last week, um, but he should have been priced at 8500 So I have no problem playing him at this price, and I hope because of the price jump that he's suppressed a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think the people playing in the, the bigger events know who he is and know how good he is. Um, but I like, I like Chess, and I like where his head's at. Um, he's been playing really, really well. And he's played really well here. He's made two or three cuts in both makes or top 10 finishes. So yeah, uh, gotta like it. What do you got, Jesse? Yeah, this is a, this is a really good region. Um, and I mean, even potentially starting here will differentiate, will make you have a different lineup than, uh, others out there. Um, I'm a big fan of coach. Uh, I will play him quite a bit. Like Perez, like you said, I can't believe you didn't mention Chez, though, coming off the second-place finish last week. I, I'm worried about that. That's why. I, coming off the second. So his, his letdown. He's yes. miscut 26, miscut, you know, 62nd, miscut, miscut in, in his career here. So, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't worry about that. He, he looked really good last week. He was in the ball very straight. He's a short knocker, so it's he's not going to be as at a big of a – at a big of a disadvantage this week as he was last week. Um, so I like, I like that price and I like his form coming in. So I will have a bit of Chez there, but uh, you know, it'd be Cooch and Perez um, as well for me. One, two in this region. Um, but I do like I said, and I mean, Adam Scott is worth a look at 8,700. 8, he's interesting. I don't know if I could do Adam Scott. I mean, you know, he's so annoying to watch on shot tracker and he doesn't have that great of form coming in, but He's Adam Scott. He used to be good at golf. <laughs> All about the putter with him. That's what it comes down to. Um, let's go to the 7K range where we have a million golfers. Uh, Bucks, kick us off in the 7K range. Yeah, man, there are a million guys here, man. Um, but first guy on the list, Kevin Chappell. Love him this week. Um his game seems to suit this course. He's really strong off the tee um, and ha- is really good from 125 to 150. So um, I like him. Then moving all the way down to 7,300 is uh, my man, Kevin Streelman, who I've been riding for weeks now. Him and him and Hadley, like, for like three straight weeks. Um, but he is pretty steady. I mean – He's number one last 24 rounds in uh, GIRs gained, number one in bogey avoidance, and number five tee to green. So 
he's not the longest guy in the world, but this is perfect for him. I mean, he keeps it in play off the tee just like everybody else, and he's going to have a wedge in his hand just like everybody else this week. Whereas last week, you had guys like Rom and Woodland who had a crazy advantage because they were hitting long irons into these par fives where he was hitting three wood. Um, and so it, it, I, I really like Stroman this week. Stewart sink 7,300 bucks mispriced there. I think um, <clears throat> Chris Kirk 7,100 bucks mm-hmm. who is, I mean, top 25 and like six of my categories. So I love him this week. He's fifth on my model. So Chris Kirk will be one of my core Austin cook, which we discussed earlier, like 7,000 bucks for a guy that's been just on fire. Um, and then the last guy I mentioned, just because he pops on my model, I got to dig into him a little more. Um, but from looking at him right now, Sam Saunders comes in at 19th on my model. Um, he makes a bunch of birdies. Uh, he keeps it in play. The only thing that kind of concerns me um, is his proximity from 100 to 125 yards. But on the other hand, he is a top 20 scrambler, so could could work out. What about you, Jesse? It's funny you mentioned Saunders because he was he's like way up in my model as well, and I'm trying to figure out how or why. Uh, <laughs> The one thing the the one thing about Sam Saunders is he's missed three straight cuts here. So exactly. Maybe maybe he's a bit too much of a partier. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that that that's sketch. But I, you know, I can see him being a a, a GPP flyer uh, if you're looking in this range. Because there's like so Cook is going to be chalky. We talked yeah. about it earlier. Um, I expect him to be pretty highly owned. That's a, a stupid price on him. Going back up towards the top, uh, Bubba, I think, is worth a look. Kevin Chappell as well. Both of them uh, have some pretty decent form coming in. Bubba is trending in the right direction. He's obviously one of the more volatile guys, but he can also score in, in bunches. So I, I do have a little bit for Bubba and, and Chappell this week. Um, I don't see myself being – I don't see myself being in the high sevens very much, if at all, unless it's with those two guys. Love Strillman. Charlie Hoffman's another guy at 7,300, stupid price. Um, I mean, the, the problem with this pricing is is the, is the, the gap between that 7,800 Bubba and then 73, 7,000 guys. I mean, there's just so many. Just, just go through the names and look at them and see how stupid it is. Um, not playing Eric Axley for $7,400, even though he's not today. How rude. The only um, thing that worries me about Bubba is him playing seven hour rounds the next the first three days. Yeah, he might lose his cool. That's true. Quick. That's true. Another one more guy, seventy two hundred. Corey Connors never played here, yeah. uh, but he's interesting to me. He's, played, he's made a bunch of cuts in a row on tour. Um, and one thing that I forgot to mention about Paul Casey was he hasn't missed a cut since I won and done him last year at the Sony Open. <laughs> oh boy! Well, there you go. Play him, folks, and you can you can DM Jesse. Come Sunday. Uh, no, I'll, I'll let you know if 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 I want him done, and you probably he's probably gonna miss the cut. But all right, let me know before you do it that you're doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We we put the ride up out. We got the. We'll have to do that. My pick will be out there. I'll follow. All right. All right. My my seven K guys. I love Chappie. I'm with you guys on that one. Playing really good golf at 7900. A guy I'm not on a ton, but I like 
him, especially this course, is Patrick Reed. He's played very, very well here at, at this tournament. And actually, outside of a missed cut three tournaments ago, he's playing pretty darn well. T23 or better in four tournaments at 7,900. Something I can look into there. Uh, Nick Watney at 77, really good history at this course. And he played pretty darn well last week, T26 in Arizona. He's one of those guys that kind of gets streaky. He's a West Coast kid, so um, he's kind of an interesting play at 7,700. Um, I agree with Stuart Sink, Strillman, like you guys said. I love Connors, just a young kid, super talented. Uh, an interesting one to look into as well, like Nick Taylor's there, but he's tilting at 76. So I go down to like Derek Fathauer, another tilting guy, but at 7,100. Uh, he's made uh, four cuts here, three straight years. He's made cuts. He hasn't played prior to that, but – Played really, really well at this course. And Brian Harkins let us all down by bogey in 18 last week. Um, but before that, was playing lights out. If he doesn't bogey 18, who knows where he finishes? Because he actually turned it on on Friday. He had a bad Thursday round. But for 7K, I uh, came quite a bit as a low-priced option for your squads. Let's get into the fun 6K range. We're literally, literally, it feels like a Masters tournament after about $6,700 of names that just no appeal at all. Um, Jesse, what do you got in the six Ks? Yeah, so this will now be known as the DraftKings drunk region um, because this is where they got drunk and they started swapping people around. Uh, they don't need to be down here. Rafa Cabrera Bayo, whatever you want to say, we'll just call him RCB. Missed the cuts and his only two appearances here, but he's a world class player coming off a sixth in Dubai, fortieth before that, second in Hong Kong. Um, He's volatile. I, I don't know that I would put him on a cash team, but I think he's a great GPP option. Kokrak's another guy I love at 6,900. Made two straight cuts here, uh, coming off the 31st uh, in in Phoenix and then eighth at the career builder. He can score in bunches. Um, he would be more cash considerable for me. Rusty Knox, I don't like Russ hardly ever because he putts with the, the Nokia cell phone from the mid-2000s. Um, <laughs> but this price is stupid. I mean, like, look at the names around him. It's $6,700. I would definitely take a chance with Rusty Knox. Moving on down, Billy Horschel, $6,600. Stupid price. Uh, Russell Henley, $6,600. Uh, I mean, like, these guys don't have great course history, but they're not $6,600 players on any week. I don't care if they've never made the cut at any golf tournament ever. Um, you know, it's just really weird to me that this happened this week, but DraftKings, I, I, I did DM to send me a little case of whatever they're drinking, so we'll see if that happens. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Bucks, what do you got going on in the 6K range? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same sentiments um, as Jesse. I think there are a lot of mispriced guys here that he mentioned. Um I mean, I'll run through some of them. Horschel, uh, McNeely, Hoge, or Hogue, um, Aaron Wise, Russell Henley, Van Asswagen, Russell Knox, Cameron Davis. I mean, all of these guys are good players. Um, but then you get to, like, Rafa Cabrera-Bello at 69, and it's like, okay. I mean, dude's been insane. Um, and I get that he's coming overseas and playing in America, but I mean, Jesus, dude's good. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, he, he's my 
free space this week. I really love the way he's playing, and he's good um, from like 150 in. And so he hits a ton of greens. He makes putts. I, I love him this week. Um, he's third in my model, and he's 6900 bucks. Uh, another guy that I think uh, it depends on if you're a big course history guy, but Vaughn Taylor I really like this week, mainly because of course history. But um, outside of that, the last guy I mentioned is Kokrak. Yep. Uh, Kokrak on a 54-hole cut. I love it. The dude can go mm-hmm. low at any point in time. He is not very good from 150 and in. Uh, which is concerning, but he's typically pretty solid for hitting greens. So you got to give one way or another there. I'm hoping that's on the right side of that. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said. RCB, that's silly. I like your take on DeChambeau bucks. I'm looking at him, not a cash game play by any means, because he's tilting at times or just loses his cool. But the way he's striking it right now, I do like that a lot. So at 6,900 bucks, Definitely behind that, Kokrak, or, or as as we used as I used to say, Cockrack at sixty hundred bucks. Big fan there. Um, Jones at sixty eight. It's not horrible. Plays really good at this course. If you look at course history, nine to ten cuts, two top tens at sixty eight hundred bucks. Uh, not bad either. Um, you mentioned Russell Henley. Sean O'Hare's even played decent at this course. There's a lot of just random. You got some good course history and then some just mispriced guys like you guys mentioned most of them already. But, um, yeah, Kograk, DeChambeau, RCB, Henley, really like those guys. Okay, let's get into our punts for the week. Jesse, who are your punts? I mean, if you want to call it a punt, Kograk, he'd be my guy below seven. Um, you know, I think Henley's worth a shot, though, too. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I mean, typically the punt would be under 7K, but I can't realistically call Kokrak, DeChambeau, or Cabrera Velo a punt <laughs> yeah. or Knox for that reason. So if I had to pick a guy, I'm going back to Von Taylor as a actual punt play. Yeah, my actual punt, because I agree with the Kokrak, DeChambeau, all that good stuff. I'll take Henley, which almost you probably couldn't count as a punt either, but at least 6600 yeah. $6, bucks feels a little more punty. Yeah. Um, Jesse, who is your bust for the week? Bust. Oof. I don't know, man. It's hard to see any of these guys busting. Um, I'm going to go with Gary Woodland. I just don't see it happening for him this week. Bucks? I'm going with John Rom. Mine is Gary Woodland as well. Jesse, who are your core three guys? DJ, Coke Rack. And, um, man, that third one is going to be rough. But I, I do like Phil a lot this week. I'll say Phil as well. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I'm going Mickelson, DeChambeau, and Streelman. I'm going Phil, Flatbill, and Sneds. <laughs> you guys are scaring me with Phil. <laughs> well, we're, we're all aboard the Phil train, which is terrible. Like, Everybody should be fading this one real quick. Yeah, out of uh, it's careening to to a cliff at this point. What's, I mean, what, there's what no breaks. Early this one? morning, thirty three to one this morning. Yeah. All right, thousand bucks on Phil. Let's do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Is, is, is he is he your pick to win, Bucks? Oh my word! He is now. 
I mean, if Who's I'm your pick to win, Jesse? I, I'm either going to throw money away in crypto or Phil Nicholson. I might, might as well watch it. <laughs> At least <laughs> Phil, you can watch it jiggle down the freaking fairway. <laughs> My Lord. We are. We are that peak. Crypto. Um, so I got Phil at 23 right now. Oh, he's dropping quick. Yeah. My goodness. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, um, no, no more value in that then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so here's here's the situation that this is what we're all faced with. If I say Paul Casey, he doesn't win. If I don't say Paul Casey, he wins. So you're in a so, dilemma. Paul Casey. You have to what's go he, Paul Casey. What's he at right now? Uh, 23. Okay. Ooh. You like you like Mickelson still, Bucks? You going somewhere else? No, nah, I'm going Mickelson. Yeah, if if I'm not going Mickelson, I'm going flat bill Pat Perez. What do you have him at now, Jesse? Because I had 35 this morning. 33. Uh, so he hasn't dropped as much. Yeah, I there's something the way Pat's playing. I, I love it. Um, and he he's so much fun at that course. Like ridiculous. They need to team him up with Bill Murray because they both wear the chive clothes, but they don't for some reason. Um. <laughs> Well, All right, gentlemen. Plenty of Bill Murray. Don't worry about it. No worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah he has his fun, though. Yeah, he's good. He player. actually won it a couple years ago. But um, any final words, gentlemen? Uh, man. It, yeah, try to watch as much as you can because it's always a fun event. Yeah. I don't know Jesse? what the coverage is like. I'm sure it's garbage, but. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. The coverage is awful. It's three courses, pro-am. I mean. I'm not excited about this week at all. Um, I'm going to degen it out because I'm a I'm a I'm a degenerate. I mean, this is this is how I do things. But if you pass this week, I would not. Um, I wouldn't call you uh, a chicken. <laughs> yeah, but there's no, nothing else to go on. I'm like, what else are we gonna do? Yeah, no more football. NBA basketball, which sucks. Yeah, um, yeah, League of Legends. There you go. <laughs> Got NASCAR coming up. Get ready for that. Um, Canadian football starting before too long. There we go. See, we got stuff to do. <laughs> but, yeah, the coverage the first few days, it's rough because they put all the big celebrities on the same course, so they kind of focus on those. But the Sunday, all on Pebble is really good. Yeah, so, I agree. Good, good TV watching there. But, all right, that'll wrap it up. Again, check Bucks on Twitter at BPSnow11. Jesse's at DFS Golf Gods. I'm at BDN Trick, the podcast at Always Press DFS. Again, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, check it all out. This was your 2018 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am preview. Check you guys out next week. Hey,